Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Today, we are going to talk running backs, and we have draft aficionado Devin Jackson of the Philadelphia Inquirer here to discuss all things about the position. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Forno. So with me, as always, this time in the bottom right corner, producer Dave. And to my left, we have our special guest here today, draft expert and uh, the betting editor for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Mr. Devin Jackson. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Tyler. Always a pleasure to talk with you around time. Um, a couple of weeks away from the draft and uh, plenty of discussion, obviously, around the quarterbacks. But uh, we got a pretty deep running back class, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it and um, dive a bit deeper into it. I'm very intrigued by how this running back class is going to come off the board for multiple reasons, Devin. I want your opinion on it because running backs, quote unquote, don't matter. But teams still prioritize the position. They just do so in a much different way. We could, in theory, have 10 to 15 backs go off the board in the top 150 picks. But we don't know how they're going to come off the board. How do you see this running back class as a whole? Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that um, are going to be nice rotational backs, I think, at the NFL level. Uh, once you get past, uh, really, it, it's kind of choose your flavor also. When you think about the class, obviously, Bijan and Jameer Gibbs kind of are at the top of the list. But how people stack up, uh, you know, three through 10 or three through 15, I think, are really dependent on the types of styles, the types of running backs you want. Do you want to change a pace guy like a Tajay Spears? Um, do you want a, a power back uh, like a Roshan Johnson or or uh, Zach Charbonnet? Uh, it really depends on the flavor you want and, and how you value it. So I think uh, that's what it really comes down to. And um, I think you're going to see a lot of day two and day three backs. Uh, I think maybe in the first round, you maybe you see Bijan come off the board, uh, maybe Gibbs, but, but I think he's more of a sec- early second round guy and then after that, you might get a, a mid-round run on running backs. Probably, uh, I think the third round is really that sweet spot where you see a lot of probably like five to six guys off the board and into day three, uh, they can go at any any point. And, and even the UDFA class, I think, is going to be really strong too. Um, you're going to get a lot of guys who should be drafted that may not get drafted. So uh, I think that's kind of how I see it kind of structuring. So let's talk about Bijan and Gibbs because uh- – they are the consensus top two guys across the board. Bijan, obviously, the Texas running back who's been kind of considered a prodigy since the end of his freshman season. And just he's able to do a lot of different things at a high level. And Gibbs, it gets compared to Alvin Kamara, but is significantly smaller in terms of weight, being only 5'9 and 199 pounds. How do you see those two backs translating? And do you think that they're going to be necessarily, quote unquote, worthy and I use air quotes there for obvious reasons um, of their draft position. I think Bijan, absolutely. Um, and, and really, I think after maybe, you know, the top 12, 13 picks, you might see him 
come off the board at some point. Um, maybe a team really falls in love with him and, and take takes him in, the, in that top 10. Uh, I wouldn't expect in the top five or six at least, but uh, you look at Atlanta as a potential uh, spot. You know, the Eagles have been talked about as well as a potential landing spot. Maybe someone trades up the 20s to the teens. So I think for him, the sweet spot is probably the middle of the first round uh, towards the, the, the mid part of it. Uh, into the twenties, I think is is where his value is, is probably the highest. Um, we we look at Jameer Gibbs. I don't think he's going to be a immediate workload type of player. It's going to be more of a receiver role, uh, more of a third down back um, that you can put in, you know, uh, early down situation to get that change of pace runner. He's more more of a glider, more of a finesse type running back. He's not more of a he's not a power guy. He's more of a speed player. So he's definitely definition of change of back and, and what he does out of the backfield as a receiver, I think is really impressive. Um but I think his value really starts uh once the second round gets kicked off. And uh from that point on I think that's kind of see them kind of stacking up and and for me, uh Bijan any other draft or, or really if the rank position as a whole was, was high, more highly valued, probably should be a top five pick, but we know the positional versatility aspect of it or not versus the, the value of it um, and how much it's been devalued over the couple of years since Saquon Barkley went uh, second overall. So it's definitely been a change for sure, but, but I think Bijan certainly uh, deserved to be a first round back and, uh, he's going to prove it uh, early on in his career. So let's talk about value in a different sense, Devin. Bijan obviously has the uh, talent and pedigree to be a top player in this class as far as draft position. And currently on my big board, Bijan is number four. Um, and I've watched uh, all the heavy hitters outside of the offensive lineman because for once the Vikings don't need one. And uh, so I want to ask you this in terms of his value because – would is he that highly valued in this specific class? Meaning, I need a running back, but I can literally get a starter probably in the fourth round on like day one starter because of how deep this class is. Do you think that his value takes a hit in that sense just because of how deep the position is this year? Yeah, because I mean, to be honest, only a certain amount of team have the uh, roster structure in in. Um, you know, the stability to to be able to even make that pick in the first round, in my opinion. Um, if you're taking Bijan in the first round, that means pretty confident that one, your offensive line is is up to par. Um, two, uh defensive back wise, uh you you you're set. Um, so really there's only a few teams that are, that really check the boxes in terms of okay, it makes sense for him to go early in the first round here, you know. So I think that value of it makes him a little devalued to just the team that's looking to build like the should not even think about, you know, for example, shouldn't even think about pairing him, you know, in, in that backfield with so many other needs they need to address. Um, you know, you look at uh, other teams as well, like the Raiders, like there, there are certain teams that certainly in that top in top 15 area that shouldn't even think about it. Um, but also you have to look at kind of the philosophy of these teams do they rely on a bell? Are they more of a running back by, you know, uh, by committee? And I think that's when you start to get in this station of, okay, 
where does Bijan go? You know, like where does he fit? And there, I feel like there's not many teams that can in that top 15 to 20 range that are like, for sure, yeah, we, we can use him in, in our franchise, you know, if he doesn't pan out to be the superstar step back, are we? So I think it that's what it where you kind of have the conversation of valuing him. Are you going to be okay if he doesn't live up first round expectations or you don't sign him to a second contract? So I think that's the the biggest things that teams need to keep in mind or or are keeping in mind when they're um, you know considering drafting Bijan. Let's talk about some of the other backs in this class because, as you said earlier, it really is a pick-your-flavor class because there are guys at the top that do a lot of different things, and that's one of the reasons why I'm very intrigued to see how these guys come off the board. And probably the biggest wild card in that group is UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet, Michigan transfer. Once he gets to the Bruins, he really shows um, the ability that he has. He really can get a lot of opportunities in a loaded Michigan backfield. What are your thoughts on Zach Charbonnet? Man, I was I came away really impressed. Um, I, I remember I want to say it was about a month ago now. Uh, just going through the running back class, uh, obviously some of the top names were were already watched, but with Charbonnet, man, uh, you you have a, a talented runner that's uh, you know he finishes every run that that, that he attempts. Uh, he's a guy that doesn't shy away from contact. Uh, you know, really execute the pin and pull, um, you know, scheme that UCLA runs, uh, a lot of counteraction. Um, so he yeah, that can get in or uh, find the holes uh, interior, but has enough to, to get to the secondary levels. It's not going to be a home run hitter. He's going to be more of a, uh, you know, power prop early on to down back. But I do think his receiving ability is a little bit underrated too. Uh, he has production uh out of the backfield but i don't think you're expecting him to be type of player uh, at the next level but i like him as a uh i don't want to say bell but i like him as a, a you pin on him to to churn the yards uh get the tough uh and then a real ability on the perimeter i, I think carbonet is going to be about you know how highly do teens value his specific skill set? Because uh, now teams are, are looking for running backs, not your runners, but you got to the uh, routes how the pass protect. I thought Charbonnet was a decent pass protector as well. Um, so that's, that's kind of going to be the next question that he needs to answer. Like, how much value is he adding in the receiving game? And I think that really depends on his, you know, where exactly he'll go draft stock wise. Cause we know he's not a burner. Uh, he's not an overly athletic player, but he's a, uh, he gets it done in between the tackles, um, really good contact balance, able to break tackles in the open field uh, and just finishes everywhere. So to me, I think it's probably in that third or fourth round range, just based on the, the skill set and the type of player he is, um, you know, think Damian Pierce last year, who probably should have went higher than the fourth round to the Texans. But I think, that's about his range. Yeah, Charbonnet is an interesting guy. And in a, a running back class that is honestly relatively small, and I, I want to go to the extreme of small, um, I think Charbonnet could end up going really high just for that element alone. Uh, but let's go to the smallest guy in the history of the NFL Combine at Deuce Vaughn. 5'5". Um, and 176 pounds. 
This dude doesn't play like he's 5'5", 176. He plays like a much bigger back. He's built really compact. And what I came away really impressed with Devin, his ability to do a little bit of everything, including pass block. This dude is fearless. He can utilize his size with leverage and really get up into the pads and prevent uh, defenders from coming in and disrupting the pocket. I ended up with a second-round grade on Deuce Vaughn, but I still have no idea where I'd end up taking him just because he is an outlier size-wise. What are your opinions on Vaughn? Man, Vaughn is, is fun. Um, he, he's a, it's a player that, you know, I got to listen to him talk at the Combine, and uh, he's a very confident player and, and understands that, uh, you know, he has a the small – stature and, and, you know, the outlier for a running back. But uh, it was interesting. A lot of the comps to him are Darren Sproles, and that's who he modeled his game after. Um, and and honestly, I see him becoming kind of a Darren Sproles-esque type of player where he's not going to get 20 carries a game. You know, he's not going to be, uh, you know, the the top running back, I think, in, in a running back room. But his receiving ability, I mean, he was literally – split out wide, split out in, in the slot. Um, and he was running actual routes. Uh, at first he was, he was telling the story that, you know, they just told him get open, uh, early in his years, but he's really refined his route running, uh, over the last couple of seasons and, and it's, it's shown. So I, I like his game. I think he's, uh, super elusive and open field finds holes really nicely in the interior. I don't think that's going to be his his main calling card at the NFL level. I think he's going to be more of a, uh, you know, stretch the the defense horizontally um, and, mm-hmm. and use his speed to get to the edge. But I can see him being especially a, a nice special teams player <clears throat> as a returner. He has that elusiveness as a returner. Uh, he has the ability to make dudes miss in open field, uh, and he has speed. And those are the three things you need uh, in a in returner. So to me, I think he's probably a RB2, RB3 at the next level based on the size and and, and, and just how small he is. I don't think he's going to be able to take on a heavy NFL workload. But uh, if you're a guy, if you're a creative offensive mind, I want to use him out as a receiver too uh, and like split him out, get him out on linebackers and get those uh, mismatches with safeties too. Um, to get those one-on-one opportunities. So Vaughn is is very intriguing, and uh, I'm interested to see where exactly he'll go. To me, I'm pro- he probably is a, a day three player, um, unfortunately, just because he's an outlier. And, um, you know, you worry about the, the durability, like how much is he going to last in the NFL level. But I do think there's a lot of upside potential, especially with a creative offensive coordinator that will use his skill set and and use his ability to to catch out of the backfield to his advantage and and really uh, mold him into uh, a versatile weapon where you know you may not need to get a wide receiver four or five because he is that guy plus being a running back uh, and can change the pace of a game too. Absolutely agree there. A couple guys I want to talk about. Then I want to talk about some of your favorite players in this running back group. Ty J Spears. Tulane kid uh, uh, really busted on the national scene when he dominated the USC Trojans in the Cotton Bowl. But if you were watching college football like we do consistently, Ty J. Spears was a guy that we had our eye on all season and really played well. He is a little smaller than I was anticipating. I thought he'd be a little bit bigger than the 207 pounds, but really smart, good vision, game-breaking type speed, and he was able to do it all 
for the Green Wave, leading them to their first ever 13-win season. How do you like Ty J. Spears? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, he's a he's a top five back for me. Um, I, I think he's a a change of direction savant. Um, the ability to to cut on a dime, uh, to change direction, to uh, lower your your pad level, to get insane. Uh, amounts of change of direction. I mean, we did the senior bowl, that route, one-on-one route he did, um, you know, to start practice uh, really kind of sticks in my mind every time I think about Spears. Um, but he is, he's so explosive and, and you know, he's just a, a guy to me that I think is going to get uh, underdrafted. Um, I think where his skill set lies, he's definitely a second or third round pick in my opinion. Uh, the question now is, one, do the medicals come back clean? He did have uh, a knee injury, I think, a year ago or a couple of years ago. Um, and obviously the, the trail and the tires is uh, a big thing teams look at with running backs. And then two, um, you know, how much can he handle NFL workload? Uh, he handled a, a, a tremendous workload for Tulane and uh, win against physical opponents. Uh, you think about Cincinnati. Uh, you know, it's one of the more physical teams uh, in in the AAC, and and he made them look silly. Um, so he he's a he's really a versatile weapon. Does it out of the backfield too? You can throw him a swing pass; he can turn it into a sixty yard gain. So he's certainly, I think, probably I think he's probably in a nice RB two that you pair with a, a guy that that you really like uh, at RB one. Um, honestly, it could be interchangeable at some point in his career. Uh, but, but I think just what he does uh, with the ball in his hands, the elusiveness, the ability to change direction, uh, the acceleration out of the hole, I think you're, you're getting a three down back that is going to be valuable and, and sign multiple contracts. I think he's not going to be a guy that deteriorate, deteriorates super quickly uh, if you keep him you know, to about 15 to 20 touches a game and, and just get the ball in his hands more of a change of pace guy versus uh, being a bell cow. Last guy I really want to talk about because he is my personal favorite running back in this class, and then I want to hear some of your favorites. Eric Gray from Oklahoma, uh, senior running back, did not have a ton of production throughout four years, mainly because he was used as a more of a change of pace rotational back and obviously stretching across multiple offenses during his time in college. But this past year uh, with uh, Jeff Levy calling the plays, he was the guy, and he really showed that he could – do a lot of the things that you want at the NFL level, um, showed really improved vision as the year progressed, which I thought was a really nice thing. You can catch the ball in the backfield, even at only five uh, foot, nine and a half inches tall, that 207 pound frame is very well constructed and he can handle punishment. He can block. He can do a, a lot of the things that you want from a multifaceted back, but I think he's going to get lost in the shuffle with some of these other guys because he's not quite the most explosive um, player outside of like those first 20 yards. Like he has that burst, but not the long speed. What are your thoughts on Eric Gray? 
Yeah, Gray is a, another guy that's, that's really elusive and creative uh, as a runner um, at the second and third levels. And and he his lower half is a lot more powerful than you expect a guy of that frame. Um, you know, he, he can handle uh, some of those arm tackles, some of the guys bounces off of him. Um, and, and he's just always trying to, uh, you know, even if uh, he looks dead in the rights, he, he finds a way to get out of trouble. And I think that's a, an important trait to have as a running back. Uh, when there's nothing there, what do you do? How do you create? I think he's always falling forward, always finding ways to not create those negative yard plays. Um, and I think the skill set is there for him to be a, a nice receiver out of the backfield, too. I know it's, uh, it's not the most robust um, production out of the backfield uh, as a receiver, but um, he showed, especially in Mobile, that, that he can run routes out of the backfield. Uh, certainly the pass protection, I think, is, is going to need to improve. And I think that may uh, hinder him from being on the field at least early on in his career. Career, um, but but I think Gray, you're you're getting a a guy that can uh, be. And honestly, I think the role he played at Oklahoma and even at Tennessee, I think, is kind of perfect for what he's going to do at the NFL level. I think he's going to be a rotational back at the NFL level that is going to make the most of his opportunities. Um, and, and we've seen those day three backs really, um, you know, come to the forefront. You think of. Uh, the two running backs in, in the Super Bowl and Isaiah Pacheco and Kenneth, well, they were both day three backs. And, and they were guys that are, were a little bit of afterthoughts uh, in, in otherwise uh, in their respective uh, running back classes. So he might be a guy that, that you know, goes to a contender, uh, you know, is going to stick around the roster and maybe he gets his shot, uh, you know, later into the season. Because, no, you know, running backs is one of the positions that – Guys tend to get banged up, uh, and I think he's one of those guys that that you know the starter or the the backup in front of him gets banged up. I think he's going to do a nice job and, and really carve out a nice role, assuming that he does take the next step in pass protect, protection uh, and becoming a more consistent receiver out of the uh, the backfield. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think some of that consistency needs to happen, but I think that there's a pathway to get there. Devin, with this deep running back class, one of the things that you're well known for is uh, finding guys in the lower levels or in the G5 before other people are able to get their eyes on them. Who who are some of those guys that you may not have heard of that people need to be aware of uh, come draft time? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, Because there's there's always running backs that kind of slip through the cracks and and aren't heavily touted um as i'm stalling for time here uh this is a good question um so i will say hmm probably i'll go out to to i'll go with jordan mims out of fresno state um i'd like his his running ability and even they had ronnie rivers last year I thought uh, Mims was a more complete back than than Rivers was a little bit more. So had a little bit more juice, uh, and Rivers was a highly touted college player uh, coming out of Fresno State. But Jordan Mims really impressed me, uh, especially in their bowl game last year against UTEP, uh, and then this year he he did a nice job while Jay Kaner was uh, injured, uh, really uh, helping keep that offense afloat, uh, keep him competitive. Um, he's a tough runner in between the tackles. 
uh, has some nice ability to catch the ball on the perimeter and, uh, you know, create a big chunk yardage plays. Um, so he's, he's a guy that stood out to me. Uh, and then another guy that I like um, who ended up going to a power five school, uh, but started his career at Wyoming was a save. I think it's a Xavier Valaday. Yeah. Xavier Valaday. Um, he is another guy to me that uh, I really like, and he's getting some buzz here uh, in the draft process, meeting with teams and whatnot. And I, I thought he was a, a really instinctive runner. Um, Lee did a nice job, especially in the zone uh, scheme that uh, Wyoming ran uh, in more of an old school offense. He did a nice job uh, being explosive and, uh, you know, creating chunk yardage plays. And he did that at Arizona State this year, too. Uh, I know they didn't have the greatest season, but uh, I think he has some nice traits, some nice tools. Uh, probably a UDFA. Uh, probably both guys are UDF- UDFA type players. Uh, but I think they can carve out nice, uh, long careers. I think Valaday, especially. Um, could potentially be a guy that you have as a special teams player to get on the field early on. And then down the line, I think uh, he's really going to turn into a nice career. So those are two guys that uh, come to mind in terms of, you know, guys that may not be talked about much, uh, but probably my favorite running back in draft class in general is Roshan Johnson out of this. Um, he has such a unique story, a former quarterback uh, recruit that, got asked to switch to running uh, for Texas, and uh, he did it. And, and before B. John Robinson came along, he was a guy uh, at Texas. He did so many good things uh, as a runner, tough runner, um, and has the ability to break tackles, break arm ties, bounce off of dudes. Uh, and then the receiving ability, uh, he's able to take screens and, and swing passes and uh, create something out of nothing. He's, he's pretty elusive for his size uh, out of the backfield, and He's not going to blow you away long speed, but but I really like uh, his ability to just play the position at a high level. Uh, Whenever he got in uh, for Bijan, there was no drop off. Uh, They stayed the same level in terms of play, uh, pass protection out of the backfield, um, turning yardage well. Uh, Obviously, Bijan's the more elusive, uh, explosive player, but but Johnson in his own right. Uh, does it does his thing and he's super important too. So uh, that's probably my favorite running back prospect uh, in this class. And and really, the Oklahoma games uh, kind of sealed it for me. Uh, just how he was used, you know, as a pass protector, uh, able to break off chunk yards, runs, taking screens, 30, 40 yards down the field. So he has a full skill set. I think he'll he's going to have a much larger role at the NFL level. Uh, it has Balcow, uh potential, in my opinion. I would agree with you on Johnson. I'm excited to be able to get to his film here in a little bit. Of this class, the Vikings are somewhat likely to take a running back, especially with the potential of Dalvin Cook getting moved, which I think is more and more likely, especially after that Tom Pelissero tweet on Monday saying his shoulder was 100% stable and healthy. If you had to kind of pick a, a, a day three running back, for this Vikings team, uh, knowing what Kevin O'Connell likes in football players, kind of similar to how Sean McVay views running backs, who would be kind of be your best fit? That's a good one. Um, you think about like outside zone type of scheme um, and really just a zone scheme and you want runners that, that can gash and, and, and get up. Um, a guy that I, I've, think I might like in that position 
Oh, man. I'm going to go take Bixby from Auburn. Um, I think he played or was played behind a, a offensive line at Auburn that wasn't great. Um, and, and his his production definitely showed that. But uh, he's a one runner and go. Uh, he's someone that you you can give the ball off, and and he's going to to find a way to to turn out four or five yards per carry, uh, even when there's a a muddy uh, you know kind of backfield around him. Uh, and maybe he goes a little bit higher than than day three, but we we know that guys that aren't the the most uh, athletic or um, you know, doesn't necessarily fit the bill per se in terms of uh, a day two back. I think Bixby could slip in the third round or in the fourth round and in, uh, in a nice home in, in Minnesota. So I would say Tank Bixby comes to mind. If you're going for more of a change of pace guy, uh, I would look at someone Keaton Mitchell from ECU. Uh, it's really explosive running back that that can get on the edge and uh, make happen uh, and, and really nice job. Um, you know, getting to the edge consistently. So I would say those are my two picks. Uh, the dart throw would certainly be Key Mitchell, but I like Tank Bixby uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm a big Keaton Mitchell fan, so I am glad that you brought him up. His his size is, eh, you'd like him to be a little bigger, but man, the explosiveness and the juice is fantastic. And the dude had success with Holton Ehlers at quarterback, so you knew that they were going to focus a little bit more on the running game than they would at, at another school. Devin, I greatly appreciate your time. Um, obviously, I, I love your work and um, everything that you bring to the table. And I thought I think you brought a lot of information uh, to our viewers today. Where can people find you and your work? Yeah, so on Twitter, uh, it's real D underscore Jackson. And then uh, you can find me, uh, all my work on uh, theinquirer.com uh, of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, actually working on a, a receiver breakdown of just the class in general um, and, and kind of uh, going through some options that the Eagles uh, might consider, uh, you know, in the draft. So uh, that will be out probably will be out already by the time this comes out. But uh, but yeah, yeah, you can find my work on the Inquirer and, and lots of draft content and, and obviously uh, of content from the draft as well, too. Fantastic. Uh, Dave, do you have any questions for Devin before we take off here today? I'm going to take that as a no. Oh, there's Dave. <laughs> I'm here. Um, <clears throat> do you see the Vikings taking a running back in the draft or waiting till they're after the draft and selecting one as a UDFA with our current roster? Um, I think it depends on what happens with Dalvin Cook. Um, say he's gone. I would say, I would say, if he's gone, yes, they will probably take a day two or day three back in day three because I think the class is going to be strong enough to do it. But if they keep him, I would still think they dip in either the late day three or UDFA class and at least have a a. Some guys brought in because, like, the thing about running backs is like, you can find good anywhere. You know, like mm-hmm. the developmental leagues are going to have good running backs. <clears throat> the draft is going to have good running backs. The UDFA class is going to have r- good running backs that sp- specifically fit the scheme. Uh, I should add as well because um, there's going to be plenty of dudes that can do it out there. So I, that's kind of my thinking. 
Uh, if Cook is gone, I would definitely say they, they draft the player probably day three. Uh, if not, I would see a UDFA route uh, and and still bring in, in guys, even if you seemingly have uh, are in a good spot. Uh, at running. As we know, injuries can pile up and, and then all of a sudden you're scrambling. And they're good on special teams. Yeah. Yeah, special hey. team. Uh, the special teams aspect is is a big one too. Um, especially for those day three in UDA, it's got to have some sort of special teams background or, or playing special teams that that's typically uh, helps you separate pack. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. on. Appreciate it as always. Absolutely, we'll, we'll have you on any time, Devin. In the meantime. From Devin, producer Dave, and myself, one thing we always say, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings! Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone!